Hi friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional, turned career coach, Forbes blogger, speaker, and now author of my own career book that has just released for pre-order on Amazon. You can probably guess the name as it's also called U-Turn, spelled Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. This book is all about getting unstuck, discovering your direction, and designing your dream career. I created the U-Turn Podcast and wrote the U-Turn book with this goal of helping you reconnect to who you truly are and upgrading your confidence in work and in love. So if you're looking to get even more clarity beyond the podcast and even the book on where you belong in the workforce or you want to make a career pivot or just explore your purpose overall, we have a brand new free quiz to help you out with that. Just head on over to ashleystahl.com if you want to take it. It's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com for the free quiz. Also, I'm really excited to finally let you know that this episode has been brought to you by Organifi. I have fallen so in love with their smoothie protein, their chocolate, their vanilla, and also their green juice drink. I have both of these products every single day. And after years of declining and dodging sponsorship, because I didn't want to feel sticky promoting something to you, I decided that their products were so good, so transformative for my health and my morning routine that I reached out to them and asked if they wanted to sponsor the U-Turn show. So if you are inspired to upgrade your health during these uncertain times and you want products to add into your routine throughout the day, I just can't recommend them enough. I was able to get you a discount code for 15% off when you check out. All you gotta do is head on over to Organifi.com backslash U-Turn. It's spelled Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com backslash Y-O-U, T-U-R-N. Make sure you enter the code U-Turn at checkout on their website. And now let's dive in to this week's episode. So much of what we're doing that we don't even think of as to get approval, to be liked, to fit in, to be good enough. Like so much of what we're doing actually is driven by this strong sense of I don't want anyone to dislike me and sometimes it's the vague they they are going to dislike me and sometimes it's a parent and or a family member or the culture that you grew up in the the community the religious group whatever it is and you're not necessarily walking around all day long saying oh I'm I'm going to not do this because my dad would have thought that was a bad idea you're not even thinking about that consciously mm-hmm. but unconsciously You're highly driven to make sure you don't do X because dad thought that was stupid. What's going on, U-Turners? I've got a real treat for you in the work category today, and it is Aziz Gazapura. He is an incredible leading confidence expert. He has a YouTube channel that I checked out with so many videos on how to be authentic, how to stop caring so much what other people think. He teaches people how to learn the skill of confidence so that they can eliminate that self-doubt, master their conversations, do better in their careers, create better relationships. I mean, who doesn't want all of those things. He's the founder of the Center for Social Confidence, uh, and he completed his doctoral training at Stanford and Palo Alto University. So he's got all sorts of things going on, you know, four best-selling books and uh, his most popular books called Not Nice, which you got to love a title like that. And his newest book coming out on my own side. Um, so I'm so excited to have you here. And we are going to talk about how to care less about what other people think. Um, Aziz, thanks so much for being here with me. Yes, I'm excited to be here, and I'm especially excited to talk about that specifically, how to care less what other people think. Yeah, and I, I, I'm always curious when experts like you come around to understand like what got you so into the work, because usually there's some sort of personal pain that lends itself into the study. Um, what, what was it that made you study this? Absolutely. I, that w- it would be an extreme excess of caring what other people think, also known as social anxiety. And that's what I lived with. It was low confidence, social anxiety, self-criticism, self-doubt, all mixed together in a depressing stew that I lived in for many years, year after year after year. And a lot of people that are in that place uh, think this is how it is. 
this is who I am. And so it's not even like, wow, this is a problem. I want to fix this. It's like, well, how do you fix yourself? You're just kind of stuck. So it's a very fixed mindset. And I, and I lived in that for many years. And thankfully, I reached a threshold moment of pain where I realized that it's one night in my life uh, where I realized if I stay on this track, I'm going to be suffering so much for so many years. Okay, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it takes and face any level of discomfort if it means that I could be more free. Mm. And then I began a journey that was 17 years ago that hasn't stopped to this day. You know, you kind of um, touch on something where I think people kind of just raise their standards sometimes. It's like, um, you know, some people are smokers and they keep saying for years, like I just, my sister always said, I want to stop smoking, but it, she never really made it non-negotiable. And so she kept smoking and she would talk about it. She would emote about it. She would come about it, but then ultimately she never stopped. And then there's those people who just kind of like one day wake up and decide that that's the last day that they're going to do whatever that thing is, if it's smoking or some sort of addiction. What do you think that is where you kind of had that moment where you were like, this is no longer negotiable for me. I'm going to make confidence and authenticity and all of these things a part of who I am in the world. I love that question. There's probably different ways to explain it, and they're probably all just theories and guesses. But one one way from a psychological lens is that there's a there's a buildup of it's enough emotion is sort of the short answer to that. So when when people are thinking about I got to quit smoking or I got to make this change in my job or in my case it's like hey I got to start um, not hiding from people and really start to face this fear. Whatever the thing is, we're not doing it because we imagine it's going to be very uncomfortable. Mm. And we imagine the pain of quitting smoking or the overwhelm of trying to change jobs or whatever it is. And so we kind of sit on it for, for months or years and we say things like, I'm going to do it or I should totally do it. But there's, we're not really going to face that discomfort. And so what needs to happen is we need to experience enough emotion in us that we're willing to face that discomfort. And that emotion generally comes from, from pain. It could also come from a hunger or desire to experience something better, you know, moving towards something. But for a lot of us, it, it requires a level of pain. So like the smoker, remember one person I know who's a smoker had a moment where uh, they were in their house and uh, they went outside to go smoke, which that's what they did. They, they go to the porch and they're sitting on the porch and they're smoking and uh, he had a daughter and his daughter comes out to him and she's crying and she like throws her arms around him and she says, daddy. And he's like, what? She's like, I don't want you to die. Mm. And there was such a charge in that, that it like made him face the reality. Mm -hmm. Women really face the reality because we're thinking short term. Oh, it's going to be uncomfortable for that, you know, couple weeks or a couple months that in the beginning of the quitting, or it's going to be uncomfortable to change jobs. It's like, yeah, but what we're not focusing on is the next year, five, 10 after that. Mm -hmm. And that pain is like, uh, it's like slow building interest that you don't notice. It's like it compounds over time though. And so the amount of pain that you're going to experience over those 10 years is going to dwarf the amount of discomfort that you're going to face from that short-term change. And so that's what uh, I realize, And that's what I work when I work with clients is we actually help them feel as bad as it sounds, feel the pain of those 10 years. And then it motivates us to say, well, geez, I'll take any level of discomfort to be free. Yeah. It's, what do you think it is as humans that we don't tend to, cause I know that there's really two dynamics in play. It's like the fear of the unknown, which is one whole thing. And then your misery in your current situation, which is a whole other. And usually people don't want to step into the fear of the unknown until they're so miserable. They just can't bear it anymore. What, what do you think that is that keeps people from saying, ah, eh, this, I feel lukewarm about this. I guess it's time to make a change versus I'm miserable. Now I have no choice, you know? Yeah, there's a great quote from uh, Lisa Rankin who wrote a book called Mind Over Medicine, which is a beautiful book. But in there she says, when, when our fear of, when the pain of staying the same exceeds our fear of the unknown, we will leap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why is that? That just seems like a, a property of humans, right? It's like, why do humans have two eyes and why do humans do this? It's like, it just seems to be, you know, how we're designed. Um, I do think that Another frame to think about it through that is not necessarily all internally and psychological is there does seem to be a level of grace involved that it's like there's that one time 
where you really did say, you know what? Okay, I'm going to do this now. Or you, mm. you know, all of a sudden that, and it just, sometimes it just comes into people like an, an energy or a knowing. They're just like, that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it. And, and we could explain it in all the different ways. Psychologically, this happened or that happened. But it's just like, uh, we don't know. But inside, they were ready. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be explained and sometimes it, it can't be. I do think we can prepare ourselves for that, though, by practicing principles that build our confidence, habits that build our confidence. And one of them, you mentioned, um, you know, the fear of the unknown. One of them is to is to build our capacity to step into uncertainty or into the unknown little bits at a time. Mm-hmm. So, because if we're able to handle a little bit of uncertainty here, like, oh, I'm going to join in this conversation without pre-planning what I'm going to say, you know, that's a very small thing of uh, uncertainty to step into, small risk. But if you if you are accumulating that kind of practice all the time, all of a sudden those bigger unknowns, those bigger changes in life, like you know, ending a relationship that you really do know ultimately is the right thing to do, even though it sounds totally overwhelming to you know break up the family and the assets and all that stuff, like. All of a sudden, that doesn't seem you know easy by any means, but it's possible mm. because we're stronger from that repetition of going into the unknown. Mm-hmm. I love this, and you know, I I love what you were saying about kind of finding ways to put yourself into the discomfort just a little bit, so that you're not just deep diving and you start to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. I, I find that courage is such a skill. You know, it's not just something you have, but like a muscle that you flex in my experience. And and just listening to you talk about this idea of having cared so much about what people think and shifting into making it non-negotiable that you have confidence. You know, before we started recording, you talked about how much this fear holds people back. And I think a lot of people don't realize it. And so I'm curious what your take is on that for everybody listening. The fear of what other people are going to think of us and yeah. and why that fear is so strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that there's a level, it's kind of like the tip of the iceberg. Like there's a, there's a little bit of the iceberg that we're aware of that's above the water. And then there's the vast majority that's beneath the water and sort of beneath our awareness. And so we might say, oh, I don't want to say that thing because someone might think that sounds foolish or I don't want to ask that question because someone's going to think I don't know what I'm talking about or I should look this way instead of that way because then maybe I'd be more attractive. We're kind of aware of that little surface level of chatter and that is influencing us. You know, maybe you don't speak up or maybe you try to change your body in some way that to say others will like you more. But what's underneath that is so much of what we're doing that we don't even think of as to get approval, to be liked, to fit in, to be good enough. Like so much of what we're doing actually is driven by this strong sense of, I don't want anyone to dislike me. And sometimes it's the vague, they, they are going to dislike me. And sometimes it's a parent and, or a family member or the culture that you grew up in, the, the, the community, the religious group, whatever it is. And you're not necessarily walking around all day long saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to not do this because my dad would have thought that was a bad idea. You're not even thinking about that consciously, mm-hmm. but unconsciously, you're highly driven to make sure you don't do X because dad thought that was stupid. Or for example. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely come up against that. I think, um, moving in with my partner, he's middle Eastern and I've known him my whole life, but, um, his culture is collectivistic. So it's all about what everybody thinks, you know, and I'm so, you know, growing up in Los Angeles fully, you know, parents who were born here, I'm super individualistic, capitalistic. So for me, there's not, it's my natural default setting is like, I want to do this. So why wouldn't I? Whereas his is, I want to do this to know what does everybody think of that, you know? Um, And it's been super challenging. So I'm curious, like, what would be the first step for somebody to even understand that that dialogue is going on in their head to the extent it is? Because I know for him, it wasn't until individualistic me came around and was like, okay, ready to move in together? Let's do it. And he's like, well, what are my parents going to think? What are these people going to think? What are that people? I'm like, who cares what everybody thinks? We're living, you know? Um, I don't have this thing, you know, I don't know if I just came out of the womb being like, I don't give a fuck. I'm living my life. (laughs) But I'm curious, like, what is your take on how somebody can start to evaluate 
and dig deeper in where these roots are inside of them? Yes, I, I love that question. And I would say what we may want to look at is, this is a fun exercise. Imagine you were going to spend some time with someone that you respect or admire. And you might, uh, maybe you don't know them, but you know uh, you, you like their books or they were a teacher of yours or or just someone you, you know of, and you're like, oh man, I'd love to have dinner with that person or have a, an hour-long conversation with that person. So just anyone that comes to mind, someone you respect or admire or look up to, and I'm, I'm going to kind of guide the audience through this as, as we're, we can all do this together. Then what you want to do is you have that person in mind, uh, think of like, what is it that I would really want them to see me as? Hmm. And what is it that I would really not want them to see me as? And you just get a, this is a fun little exercise to do because you might say, well, I want them to see me as successful and smart and driven and capable and loving and patient and uh, self-controlled and whatever it is. And I don't want them to think of me as like lazy or greedy or whatever it is, you know, these list of traits. And what you have there is a very <laughs> interesting list of basically what you're going to try to make sure no one thinks of you on that, mm -hmm. on that, the side of stuff that you don't want. And then it can start to be interesting is like, well, what am I, what am I not doing in my life? Because I don't want someone to think of me in one of these ways. You know, so a common example is someone might be like, I don't want to speak up more in meetings at work. And maybe you haven't been, maybe you know, you'd like to be more bold or direct or outspoken or just share your ideas more freely. And you know, it's like, well, I don't want anyone to think of me. And you look at your list on there. It's like, well, I don't want to think I'm stupid. Or I don't know what I'm talking about or ignorant or whatever the word is you use. But it's like, so therefore, because I don't want anyone to think of me in this way, I'm not going to go do that thing. Mm. And so it can start, you can start to look at your life. Where might I be holding back? Where might I, you know, and, and similarly, kind of it's a flip side of the same coin though where am I actually doing a lot in my life right now for the same reason though, to try to make sure, you know, a common one is for success, for example, right? Is like, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm going to be, oh, it's so amazing when I get there one day and <laughs> maybe we're doing a lot so that people see us as successful or someone sees us as successful. And so it could be, it could be doing a lot of things or you could be avoiding something. But either way, it's kind of that list is going to help you start to really reflect on how you might be living a life that maybe is not entirely your own. You know, this gets me thinking a lot about influencers. And um, even with my own business, like I, well, this gets me thinking about a lot of things, but I have a lot of friends who are, I guess, what you would classify influencers. And they have these large audiences. And I've never really held that identity, but I get it. Like, I guess when you have an audience, you have an influence and that's a wonderful thing in a lot of ways. But what I'm also finding is that some people feel and understandably so that their success in business is directly tied to them playing that game of what do people think? You know, what do people think? What are people going to click like for? What are people going to comment on? What are people going to buy my product for? And it becomes very insidious and sneaky for you to go from what your vision is and an entrepreneur who wants to make an impact or as somebody in the workforce who has some sort of idea in the workplace. And then, you know, the, the world kind of chews you up a little bit and you realize like, okay, the way I want to talk about this thing isn't what's going to get the most clicks or follows or whatever. Like what message would you have for somebody where it actually, the workplace or the, the business they're in is actually requiring them to not necessarily put on a facade, but kind of shift away from the authentic expression that they wanted to have in order to survive as a business. Do you know what I mean? I do. And I think that's a false game, false uh, premise that people set up. That's mm, like, that. because there's a, there's a, there's a big space between survive as a business or, you know, survive in my career. And on the other side is get as many likes as possible. Yeah. Get as big as, you know, succeed as much as possible. And I think, I believe that it is possible to succeed as in, both outwardly be able to earn money, you know, create certain results in your life. And the other part of success, right, is feel good as you do it. Because if we have that success without fulfillment, that is failure, mm -hmm. really, at the end of the day. So I think that's absolutely possible to do that. 
being authentically you. The problem is that, and I, and I absolutely 100% relate to this and I've actually been going through a very fascinating reflection in my own life to see how far I've gone down this, this path of like, okay, but then to get bigger. Yeah. To reach more. To get more subscribers. Right. And it's like, but what about the X amount of subscribers that you had right now? What about the X size of business that you had right now? And I think the, the cultural programming of more is better is so talk about uh one of those things that's in the below the water of the iceberg that we don't even see that it's operating all the time it's like well of course more would be better you know i got a i got um 10,000 subscribers and that's helping me generate a business of x amount you know under yeah. $100,000 $200,000 instead of being like that's awesome this is great. You know, uh, a lot of people might be like, okay, but how do I get to 20,000 subscribers? Yeah, what is that about? Why, what is that about? Because I think that as humans, we're probably just naturally growth driven. We're, we're born to want to expand, grow or whatever, even if it looks like having offspring, like that's a form of growth and expansion, you know? Um, like I think it's so embedded in us and I'm not saying this from a scientific lens, you would be probably better for that. But it seems like it's so natural to just want to grow. Like, what message would you have some, for someone who is in that, like, I want to lose three more pounds. I want to make 20 more K and then I'm going to be good. It's like, how do we get out of that rat race? Yeah, those are, I think those are two different things. The desire to grow, I agree with you. It's, it's a natural uh, part of humans. It, you know, little kids are constantly growing. And, but growth, it doesn't, growth limited to those things, like, improve my body in this way, earn this more amount of money, grow this size of scale of business, reach this kind of audience, um, reach this level, you know, status level in the company, this title, uh, this office, whatever it is. Um, that's like such a narrow form of growth. Like if growth, if all the ways you could grow was the human body, that kind of growth would be like the tip of one fingernail. Mm -hmm. It's like one little, and yet guess what everyone is looking at? that one tip of one fingernail. And everyone's like, yeah, but that's how you got to get that corner office. That's the way you got to grow. And it's yeah. like, wait a minute. What about the billion other ways you could grow? What about that you could wake up 20 minutes earlier and you could meditate in the morning? What about you could read a book that opens your mind? What about you could spend some time in the yard with your kids and feel your feet on the grass? What about you could um, have a conversation with someone that opens up your mind what we there's so many ways that we could grow and all those could be deeply fulfilling to us and but we're like yeah but okay those don't matter this is the kind of growth i need and that is the rat race it's like the reason we focus on that fingernail is like that's the kind of growth i need in order to feel good and that's because we're coming from a place of i'm i'm not feeling good because i'm not enough and when i reach that amount i will be enough which anyone who's ever played that game realizes it's not, Yeah, <laughs> you don't. And, and the funniest thing about it, and I've experienced this, I'm sure many people, listeners have, is like, sometimes there's like a high when you get the milestone. And sometimes it's not, you don't even get the payoff. You're just yeah. like, I hit my target. Oh, I'm so stressed out. Where was the fantasy payout? And that's where you realize it's not, it's not real. It's an illusion. We're just trapped in it. Yeah, it seems like with goals, it's like I always think, you know, people are chasing a goal, but really what they're chasing is how they think it's going to make them feel. And I think that's why like celebrities like Britney Spears, like shaved her head and lost her mind for a while, because it's like, we're all just chasing a feeling. And if the goal doesn't give us the feeling, it kind of feels like, well, then what we've been spinning our wheels for something in pursuit for years and years and years, and we don't get that dopamine hit that we thought we would or whatever. Or maybe it's short lived. Or, you know, in my case, I remember, when I started my first business, it was like, I need to make a million dollars. That seven figure mark is what makes me a real entrepreneur. And then the night that I hit the seven figure mark, I didn't even like, it, like, it was just like, okay, well, I have, I have five other projects I'm working on. Like I was so in, engulfed in the business itself. And, and then it came to follow with a massive failure, which depends on how you look at it. For me, it wasn't really a failure, but losing millions of dollars and having huge failure in my career and having to not reinvent myself after that, but have to like hold that loss and pay off a ton of debt and, and be vulnerable with my audience as somebody who collected all of these subscribers, sold all of these courses. And my business kind of went under for a while. Um, what message do you have for somebody who maybe it wasn't that they reached a goal, but rather they had a massive failure and they 
want to kind of get back into themselves, you know, like reestablish themselves and be authentic or maybe be the next version of themselves, really? Yeah, I love that question. And before I answer, I just want to take a moment to really acknowledge you, um, Ashley. I love your your realness and your authenticity, and and I can see how what a gift that is to everyone listening for you to share so Thanks. openly. And and also like, wow, what a what a gift that failure was, quote unquote, failure in the sense that it it kind of pushed you down a different path. Um, and that, that path of like more, 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 like people can go on that path for 20, 30, 40 years before they maybe have some sense of, is this what I want? And, um, and I, I actually relate to your story as well. I, the same thing is like, uh, if I hit a million, isn't that funny? It's like, it's gotta be part of the, the programming, right? So somehow that's the, the mark of success. And I remember the exact same thing. I was looking at my, you know, some P and L statement and looking at it and I was like, Oh yeah, a million. Yeah. This has been the most unfun year of my business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> and I'm not saying it has to be that way and someone can help totally hit that and, and be loving what they do. But the, the issue is when we're, um, I think we're separating from ourselves. We're becoming alienated from ourselves in the pursuit of that. That's when it's suffering. And I think it's absolutely possible to, to grow something to a bigger size if it's in alignment with someone and where they're at. And then 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 it's going to come from, it's not going to be the same grinding uh, pulling sort of jagged experience. It's much uh, smoother. And and if there's obstacles, there's like a, there's a inspired energy to face them. So, but having said all that, I think when it comes to, if someone listening and they experience a failure, I'd say a welcome to the club. Mm-hmm. You are a part of the human family and we all have this messed up story that says, but I should be different. You know, I should be, and it's perfectionism, right? I shouldn't have a failure or a setback or not, you know, but my failure was so much worse than someone else's and it shows it. And that's just, you can just, you can back that up with as much evidence as you want, but why? Mm -hmm. You know, at the end of the day, you are being like an unforgiving, stingy with love friend, (laughs) <laughs> or parent. And, you know, we all know that that's, if you saw that character in a movie, you saw the parent who's all stingy with their love or the friend who's like, I can't forgive you ever. Like when you're watching yeah. the movie, you're like, no, come on, you know? And so yeah. we want to do that with ourselves. When I'm like, look, look, let's, let's, uh, it's about forgiveness here. And, and ultimately what that forgiveness starts to open the doorway to is to see that uh, whether or not it's clear to you, the universe is unfolding exactly as it should. Mm-hmm. And there's this tendency in our mind to be like, that's not how it's supposed to go. It's supposed to go this way. And we forget that that is like a little child in a car in the back seat saying, we should get ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, you, you want ice cream. You know, it's it's just, you're just making that up in the back seat, And that's what we're doing all the time. But we give our little kid voice total authorities if it's true. Like that shouldn't have happened. It should have been this way. It should have been that way. And when we, when we can let that go and actually humble ourselves and like bow to that's how it went. And not only like resignedly, well, that's how it went, but actually there's there's a benefit to how it went. This is ultimately in the service of something. I might discover it right away, but it also might take me a little bit of time. And one last thing I'll say is to to really uh, reinforce that belief that this is actually serving me in some way, take a look back in your life, and you just shared one with us, Ashley, but anyone listening, take a look back in your life to a time that sucked, you know, a breakup that was bad or shouldn't have happened, quote unquote, or loss of a job or whatever it is. And, And can you see how that may have led to something that put you on the path that you are now. Mm. What, there was perhaps a gift in that. And I, I find when I do this with people and I really hold them to it and actually guide, go through it, they, they always find like, well, that actually led to this. And sometimes it's really obvious. Like, oh my God, I'm so glad I broke up with that on and I get off again relationship because then three months later, I met the person that I, you know, I've been married to for 10 years and I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking a lot about the workplace because you'd kind of made a really good argument when I was talking about like getting more followers, more, 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 you were saying you don't have to be unauthentic. That's, that's the illusion. And it got me curious. Like, I think there's a lot of confusion in the workplace of like, 
bringing emotions to work. So we're humans, you know, and any given time we might be going through a breakup or a medical issue or something with our partner or kids or who knows, you know, like I just got a new puppy and he's the cutest thing ever, but I'm exhausted. Like, oh, you know, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> the dark side of no one talks about that. It's I like, know. Why? This, this is the hardest thing in my life. <laughs> I know. Totally. I was, I, I called my mom the other day. I'm like, is this more hard than having a baby? She's like, mm, they have their, both of them have their different pieces. I'm, like, yeah. I'm not going to say yes. And I'm not going to say no. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. He's so cute. Good thing. Nature made him like a cute little fluff ball. Cause I'm like, Oh, I forgive you for biting my arm and making me bleed, you know? <laughs> but, um, kind of going back, like in the workplace, I think a lot of people struggle with bringing home into work, you know, like they have so many personal things going on at any given time. And as someone in, on your side of the field here, who is an expert in authenticity and confidence, how, what is your take on how to navigate sharing your feelings, sharing what you're going through at work, but also staying professional? Like how much is too much? And when do you see it as not being authentic, but rather too emotional at work? Yeah. I mean, this is such a great question. And there's, there's probably so many different specific scenarios where there's a nuance. Like for example, are you, what role are you in? Are you with the client? Like, are you the, you know, massage therapist or the doctor or whatever in the, in the room with the client and they're there for their appointment and you're like, hold on a second, I got to tell, I got to tell you something, you know, like, um, or is this with colleagues, um, that are at your level? Is this in a work meeting? Is this your, you know, so I'd say that, uh, I'll give a couple guidelines on this is one that erring on the side of like stoic, I got nothing, everything's fine. I don't think that's the best approach, even though it might seem the easiest and it's a person a lot of people take. Mm -hmm. And um, there's it's not a bad or wrong. I'm just saying, I just don't think it's optimal. I think there might be something that's a little bit better. And by better, I mean, it can produce more connection, more productivity, more caring amongst you and other people, and, and ultimately more fulfillment for you. Because I don't care how amazing your job is, any role where we feel like we can't be ourselves starts to feel bad where there's a part of us that kind of dreads that. Now being yourself doesn't mean that you have to share everything. People kind of make that uh, mistake as well. They're like, Oh, authentic. You want me to be real? I'll, I'll be real with you. And you're like, Whoa, why are you all of a sudden angry? Like, is, is that how you feel? And it's like, Oh, I got all this stuff to deal with. That means I'm going to unload everything. And if you think about it, that's not necessarily what another word for authentic that I think is very helpful is transparent. Love that. So you don't have to share the whole detail, but you can say, um, whether it's good or bad, you could say, wow, I just had some amazing news about my, uh, my brother, my, my brother and his, uh, wife are, are trying to have a baby and she's pregnant. Um, so I feel so happy about that, you know, and you just share that you know, that's, that's, that's not a huge, you're not getting into all the nitty gritty. Well, they had fertility treatments and then this and that, and maybe yeah. if it's a long conversation, you just, you, know, yeah. you just, you just share. And then, and then people, and it's not necessarily about the exact words. It's about, it's, you're letting yourself be seen a little bit. Hey, U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but if you're anything like me working from home, this quarantine has got you craving some structure, and I have gotten so much out of committing to a morning routine. And for me, that's looked like burning some Palo Santo every morning, sipping some coffee while I'm journaling, and of course, making my daily protein shake with Organifi's vanilla protein powder. I just put a scoop of their vanilla protein, frozen organic strawberries, half a frozen banana, and coconut milk into the blender, and boom, That little candy-addicted five-year-old living inside of me gets so happy feeling like she started her workday with what tastes like a vanilla milkshake with strawberries in it. So if you follow me on the gram, you know that even when I try to eat healthy, I tend to have little snacksidents, and that's why I am so grateful that Organifi is now sponsoring the U-Turn podcast. It is such a milestone for us to have them supporting the show, and I'm pretty sure that without their super healthy protein powder, I'd be lacking in my morning routine. So if you're looking for some consistency, and some structure in your diet. I am really in love with their products, which is why we wanted to get you hooked up with a discount when you go to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com backslash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N for 15% off. Now let's get back to the episode. 
more. It's a really good point because I think where people end up actually having an issue in the workplace or just with professionalism is not in sharing, but in oversharing. And I always tell clients, it's like, there's such a huge line between what's personal, a fine line really between what's personal and what's private, you know? And, um, I would also argue between sharing and oversharing just based on what you're saying. Um, I can't help but ask you, do you think it's the case that sometimes people who who they are authentically is just a little bit unusual? Like, here's what I'm trying to say. Like I talked to a guy. Inherently unlikable. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah. Like there's some people, like, for example, a lot of people have bought my job hunting course, which is awesome. And, you know, every now and again, I'll think to myself, okay, these are great tools. This course is going to teach you how to get your resume done and network and all the things. But, you know, and, and I do believe I can connect with just about anyone on anything, you know, I'm I'm pretty open energy, but there's some personalities where I'm like, Ooh, that's going to be tough in a job interview. Like your personality is not a problem, but it is an obstacle in a way. Yeah. Like how do you, how do I tactfully just fess up to that? You know, as a coach noticing this with some people, I'm like, well, shit, this is just going to be a little bit more of a rough road for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's fantastic feedback from a coach. Um, Because the beauty of being a coach or a consultant or whatever is we're a trusted advisor. We don't have to be, we're not like a friend or a spouse who's got a stake in the game or something. We're like, no, no, now you're upset with me. Now you're gonna not talk to me tonight or whatever. It's like, we, you know, uh, and I tell this to the clients, like if in the course of our work together, you are never upset once, never leave a session, you know, irritated or frustrated or, you know, something ever, then I haven't done my job yeah. because I've just agreed with you all the way. In fact, when I first learned to, you know, back in the days when I, I trained as a clinical psychologist, I did therapy and I hadn't done a lot of my own nice guy work yet. Nice person programming was still running me. I was the nicest therapist in the world. No client was ever, they felt seen and held and loved and understood. And there's, there's definitely benefit in receiving that. I think it's very healing for people. But the impact I had was nothing like what it is now because I, I'm much more willing to, to still be loving and empathic and understanding, but then also, you know, challenge someone or ask them a difficult question. And here's the beautiful thing. And there's a way I had a teacher that told me you can say anything if you say it in the right way. And so, for mm. example, if someone is doing something that's very off-putting and you say, you know, you can tell them that. You could say, you know, I noticed, and this is one of the, uh, in, in the book, Not Nice, they talk about. So, because people hear not nice and they're like, oh my God, are you telling people to be a jerk? And it's like, well, actually the opposite of nice is authentic. And you can say anything. You just, there's a way to be real and authentic and still caring and loving, but you're just not suppressing it all. Because a nice person is like, oh, I'm not going to tell them anything. They'll get upset. Whereas the authentic person who's not nice says, you know, I noticed that, and and you want to get, the more you can describe what they're doing, the better. So sometimes in the moment, you're like, you just feel this like aversion, then maybe sit with it for a little bit, if you can, and reflect on it. Like, what specifically did they do? And it's like, and, and you know, maybe their voice is really like short and harsh and they're not making eye contact with you. And they're, and they're kind of telling you a lot about um, why what you said is not going to work and why this, and they're kind of complaining and negative. So, and you can say something like, you know, I noticed when you were sharing with me yesterday that your your voice, your, what you're saying was very short and kind of a, almost abrupt and you weren't making eye contact with me. And it seemed like your, your, what you were focusing on was all the things that were not going right. And I'm, I'm wondering if this is, uh, since I experienced it with you, my, 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 I'm wondering if maybe this is also something that might be a pattern for you outside of this interaction. And, and if so, that's, I'm so glad that we're finding this because this may be getting in the way of you having the job success or the career success that you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I know that that's one of the biggest risks you can take as a coach and I'm always willing to risk the relationship and I do it in my friendships all the time. But what I ultimately was hearing you say when you're talking about being a therapist is the difference between giving a pep talk and holding space versus actually creating a transformation with somebody, you know, mm-hmm. like allowing somebody the space to vent is one thing, but I at least personally really value the relationships in my life. And those are the closest friends I have where I'm not, I'm not really 
down for a pep talk. I'll tell them if I just want a pep talk, but usually it's a transformative relationship because they're just going to constantly tell me what they're seeing and they're just very aware people. And this gets me wanting to ask you just a little bit more about tools for people to get a little more free to that place where they're not afraid to be who they actually are. And I probably should be asking you, how do they even discover that? You know, and I know these are huge questions, so not expecting all of the answers to come, you know, Rome wasn't built in a night, but, um, what are some tools that you really love for people to get a little more freedom and a little more leverage on caring less what other people think and getting more into who they really are? Yeah. And I do think that those are, uh, the process involves both like to care less what others think involves discovering more of who you really are. Mm. And I've seen this sometimes with clients. It's like, okay, I'm working on, you know, not caring as much as other people think, but I don't even know if I'm not acting from approval seeking, like, I don't even know what I would say or do here. I'm I'm lost. Like that's my compass uh, in a way. And so they're one in the same as you withdraw energy from mind reading others and the fear cloud of how bad it would be if someone thought X or Y about you. And you, and you started to pull energy back from that. And and that's actually a very, it's a, it's an interesting technique to really imagine it's like a visualization you can do is to, you know, when you're stressing about it and maybe even not stressing about it because <laughs> it's unconsciously, we're still being controlled by it in a lot of ways. Just take a moment now and imagine that, you know, you there's all these strings, like one string's going from me to you and then the person that you know and then this person you work with and your parents and and it's all these, it's like this web and that's okay. You don't need to like sever all your contact with humanity or something, but there's like this way that we're kind of leaning outward and we're looking outward to be like, is this okay? Is this okay with you? Is that okay with you? And you can imagine yourself like kind of bringing, instead of leaning out, you just are standing more taller, sitting more upright like a mountain. There's a grace or a dignity. And you can imagine all of this, like the webs and, and all that ex- excess energy is kind of just being pulled inward and back into you. And then there's this deep curiosity of who am I? And, and the answer, if it comes to you in a second, is probably not the answer. It's the question. And, and wanting to live that question the question is more important than any answer because there'll be many, many answers over time. And, and there'll be answers in the moment, like a certain role that you're playing as a mom or a dad or a boss or an employee or a client or a coach. And then there's a bigger unfolding of who am I? And that's a moving target. The, yeah. you're, it's not going to be the same answer a year from now. There'll be themes. There'll be certain qualities that are similar, but but guy is a guiding question of like, and, and this, if this feels a little abstract to someone, they're like, what? This is how you're able to like, think about reclaiming your compass because it does lead to very practical things like what job do I apply for? Do I change positions? Do I change roles? Do I go for that promotion or not? Do I switch companies? Do I speak up in this situation or not? Do I dress like this or like that? Do I date that person or this? Like all of that are very practical things, but it's all coming from this inner compass and at first, when people start to bring it inwards, it's like, you know, when you're at the North Pole, the compass is just spinning. We don't know. And so one of the simplest tools and techniques to bring this in is as you kind of focus inwards to multiple times throughout the day, ask yourself one really simple question in the book, Not Nice, I call it the, the million dollar question, which is what do I want? Ah. Oh. It's so basic. It's like, ah, that can't work. Too basic. But it can. And so it's like, it could be little. It could be micro. Like, there you are. You're talking to that person and they're going on and on. They're like oversharing with you at work. You're like, ugh. And and they always do it. You know, like, oh, no. Gary's coming around. You know, I look busy. And then and then you've tried like, you've tried all kinds of things. You've done the thing where you're like, uh-huh, mm, mm-hmm, you know, and tried to yeah. look like you weren't interested and then whatever it is. You've done all these things and Gary's coming. And what you want to do in that moment is just ask yourself, what do I want? And in that moment, maybe the answer is like, I want to not talk to Gary. Or maybe you discover something. Maybe it's like, I would want Gary to actually listen to me and actually have a conversation with him. Right? So now the next step is like how to actually enact that and, and take action on it. But, but first things first, you, you have to just repeatedly ask that. And even if you did nothing, even if you just did the same stupid pattern with Gary again, 
lousy Gary, then it doesn't matter because at least when you first start asking that, what do I want? What do I want? You're going to start discovering that compass. And then you also start to ask it on the bigger things. You know, what do I want today? What mm. do I want to do today with my, okay, I have a free day. I can be, I could, there's family I could be with. I could have some time to myself. I could go exercise. I can meet a friend. Like, what do I want? And what's amazing is when you start to ask this question, you'll start to uncover a lot of that programming and a lot of that, what other people think that starts to push you around. Cause you might say, what do I want today? You know, I would love to just have, it's been a busy week. I've been not, I would love three to four hours to myself. Mm. And then it sounds great to be with my family. And then I, I haven't seen that friend in so long. I'd love to have dinner with that friend. And on the coattails of asking yourself that question and getting the answer, and you'll know it's the right answer because there'll be like a party that's like, oh, that sounds great. Then this voice will come in and say, what? How can you take three to four hours to yourself? You're selfish. You're a selfish husband. You're a selfish father. You're selfish. You know, and, and dinner with your friend, like that, that's bad. You shouldn't be having dinner with your family. You should be doing this or whatever your shoulds are. Mm -hmm. And now you get to start to discover, wow, I've been living my life from a whole lot of rules of all the roles that I'm in. And then just I'd say, just keep asking. So often when I do this with clients, I say, look, for the first week of this, we'll make an agreement. You don't have to do anything based upon the answer to that question. Mm. That might seem too threatening. Because if we think we have to do something based on it, then we can get scared. Because what, 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 what if what I want is different than what other people want? What if what I want is you know, not right? What if what I want is rude? Or what if I, even simple things. What if what I say when I, what do I want to eat? It's the unhealthy thing. You know, bad things will happen. So I need to stay in control. So I say, great, you're not going to do anything different. Just ask the question. And then what that allows is the more truthful answers to come out. And it can just that practice in itself and literally a week can, can really shift the course of someone's life if they start to follow up with that after that. Yeah, I love that. And I, I find that a lot of people are intimidated by the, the simplicity of that question because I think a quick, I'm guessing a lot of people could say, what do I want? And then they'd be like, I don't know. And they could just get stuck in that. So what message would you have for somebody who's kind of committed, <laughs> their, committed to their limitations as a lot of people are? And I have been, you know? Yeah. I know. I get it. I abs I relate to this so much. And I would say that there's two things. One is that is not true. So just know that when we say, I don't know, because here's the thing, and here's how you know it's not true. If we really don't know something, it sounds more like this. Huh. I don't know. Because mm. we're curious and part of us wants to figure it out. When we say, what do you want? I don't know. <laughs> right it's like i don't go there i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know it's the, all the ways we might say it is like i don't want to go there i don't want to go there and so one thing to remember is that this is not necessarily true that you you do know or you will know if you keep being curious so one thing to do is just change the language hmm and even just like try to say it like huh i don't know or hmm i don't know yet Oh, love that. And just that little voice tone change and that word can, it because it starts to shift it and then we just become more curious because it's not about uh, the thing. What do I like or do I not like? It, it's more about that curiosity because that's what it is. It's like in a relationship, it's less about, you know, where you went to eat that night. It's like about were you really curious about each other when you were having that dinner? That's kind of what makes the difference between how, how good the night's going to be. And it's the same thing with yourself. It's not, should I go apply for that or this or that? It's, it's this ongoing curiosity. And that's what I really get into in the book on my own side is this ongoing relationship with ourselves. And people think about, you know, self-love or self-acceptance or being on my own side is just saying the affirmation of, I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. And I just say, it's a little crazy. Like imagine you were in a relationship and you're sitting there on a couch and there's your partner over there and they're just looking at you like, I love you, 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 I love you. You'd be like, that, can you stop, please? Like, <laughs> that's not sending the message versus what if they were really curious about you? And I said, how are you today? Mm. And you told them and they were like, oh yeah, I, I see that, or I feel that, I get you, of course. You know, what, what, what do you want to do today? Well, what did you dream about? What do you like? You know, like that, you will feel loved. 
And that's mm-hmm. the same thing with ourselves. So if, we, if we're like ignoring ourselves and not asking what we want and thinking that's bad and trying to please other people, and then we're saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, it's not going to work. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I went through a really uh, tough time I had when I lost my business. My sister had passed away and I um, called off a wedding. I had a lot going on. I remember talking to a therapist during that time and it was so funny. She used to ask me, who's here today? <laughs> So it's kind of like, um, I'd be like, today is sad me. And she'd be like, okay, what is sad you want? You know? Mm. And so it's almost like she took some dimension to what you're asking. And she's, she kind of helped me see like there's different versions of you every single day. And we're such moving, growing organisms that sometimes we get so restricted by the identities that we hold on to about who we are and where we're at. And I love what you were saying, like asking, what do I want? And letting life show you the answer. Because sometimes it's it's almost like we're programmed to think if we have a question, we need to go get the answer. Whereas we can look at life and say, okay, life is the best coach here. Life is going to show me the answer here. Life is the ultimate life coach, you know? Yes. So really awesome. And as we're wrapping up, like you've just had so much value here. Like, is there something I haven't asked you that I should have thought to ask? Or that you Great want question. to share? Oh, yeah. I want to share. Um, I would say that everything that we're talking about here is going to be, and honestly, any interview or anything that we listen to or watch is, is going to open up possibilities and open up doorways and pathways. Maybe one out of every hundred or a thousand people are like so on the cusp of the transformation that they're like, aha, that was the one thing I needed was what she said or what he said, boom, and it all comes clear and you have this insight and you're liberated. But most of the time, what's needed after we hear something is action and implementation. We need to do something over time. We need to have a process or a habit or an action that we're engaged in because otherwise it becomes like this feeling after we're done. We're like, wow, that was, I feel so great. Yeah, totally. Be me. Yeah, be authentic. Right Mm -hmm. on. You know, and then the next day, all those roles are pressuring you and whatever. And then you're at work and you're like, oh God. (laughs) And so what we want to do is you want to take something from this interview that we've talked about and decide right now what your action step is going to be for a week or for a mm-hmm. couple of days. You, you make up the rules, but I know that you got to put something in action. So whether it's, I'm going to ask myself, what do I want, you know, multiple times a day for the next week, or I'm going to do that thing that he talked about where you imagine someone that you respect and admire and how are all the ways that I want them to see me, all the ways I wouldn't want them to see me, you know, or even something that wasn't a specific action step I said, but you just got, Oh, I want to do this. or I want to try that. Or I'm going to look that up. Like, Decide what it is right now and commit to doing it because otherwise these experiences I think can be uh, illuminating, but not truly liberating. But the beautiful thing is then if you take this and and you follow it with the action, you can look back and say, wow, I remember when I heard that and like things have really shifted for me in a, in a beautiful way. Mm. Mm. I'm so grateful for your time. Where can everybody find you, follow you and keep learning from you? That's right. Well, if everyone here listening follows me, I will get more subscribers and then I'll (laughs) finally be enough. (laughs) Um, Yes. So you can go to draziz.com. That's D-R-A-Z-I-Z.com. That's the best way uh, to find out about me. I have my books on there. You can find them on my podcast, my YouTube, but also I have an ebook there called Five Steps to Unleash Your Inner Confidence. And it really guides people through specific things they can do they follow these five steps, it'll really start to boost that. So that's a great place to get started. That's awesome. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Hey there, it's Ash here. And I'm just reflecting on the episode with Aziz Gazpura about confidence and just not caring so much about what other people think. And I think he made a really poignant point around evaluating what are you not doing in your life right now because if you get really honest with yourself of what people think. Maybe it's starting a business. Maybe it's choosing a certain type of romantic partner. um, Maybe it's moving across the country. Whatever it is, I think there's something really profound in giving yourself a moment to just at least journal if you could be free of what anyone thought and you just fully played all out 
what would you do? Um, you know, sometimes you'll be surprised by your answers. And another way to look at it is to ask yourself, who is out there doing something that you wish you were doing? Maybe that sort of question will help you rise even further above your own limits and help you explore what's out there for you that you didn't even give yourself the second to consider because maybe it's your next level. So in my case, this is super random, but I've been seeing on Instagram, a couple Instagram clothing stores, and I love fashion and I've never really dabbled in it before. And when I asked myself the question, like who's out there doing something inspiring, I can think of a few handles of like fashion brands and clothing brands that are just doing really interesting stuff and really inspiring and moving to me. And when I tune into that, I just think to myself, well, yeah, I want to do what they're doing. And so it kind of brings me to my next level. And then the question is, why aren't I doing it? What am I, what do I think that's stopping me? What does the world think that's stopping me? What is my perception of what people think? You know, often the way people treat you and, and often how they're judging your ideas is just a reflection, of course, on how they're treating themselves, how they judge themselves and their own ideas and their relationship with themselves. And I think far too often we make meaning out of how people are showing up with us or what people are thinking with us. And it, it's so important to not take that so personally. Um, another thing that I really have been present to lately is this idea of pep talking versus actual transformation. I think in the transformation space, there are so many people who are sometimes giving pep talks and there's a lot of fluff, like you can do it. Um, but to me, what's really transformative is not just pep talking yourself because then you're kind of playing a mental game of ping pong. I can do it. I can't do it. But instead asking yourself these deeper questions, looking at your blocks, questioning them, writing them down, I still believe one of the best ways to get leverage on where your limits are is to write down every story you're buying into, every reason you're telling yourself you can't have what you want. Um, usually when you allow yourself to do that, you're able to kind of get a little more hip to what your blocks actually are and you get a little distance from them when you write it all down. So for example, I'm not going to blank whatever you wish you would do because other people will think I'm, or I'm not going to blank because I'm going to think I'm, whatever, write all of those stories down. Usually that's a start to get leverage and get distance from it. So hope this was helpful to you. Um, thought that he was really personable and clearly knew his stuff and would love to hear what you thought of the episode. Thanks again for being here. Sending you love. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. If any of our guests mention any resource that you're interested in, you can head on over to ashleystall.com and press the podcast tab to see any show notes. It's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com. On that page, you're also going to see our brand new free quiz, helping you discover which career path you're actually meant for. It's followed by tons of content-packed emails about your personality in the work and of course, we just can't thank you enough for your written reviews. These reviews mean a lot for our show to keep getting out there. So if you ever send me a DM on the gram, and I'm so grateful that you have, I would love it if you would copy and paste that into the podcast app of your smartphone as a written review. It would mean so much for us over here at the show. Thanks again for being here, and I can't wait to connect with you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. 
I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.